Welcome to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper. On August 24th, 2014, I bought a one-way ticket to America with zero dollars in my bank account. I believe that breakthrough is on the other side of bravery. In this podcast, I will give you a roadmap to pursuing a lifestyle of bravery, wholeness, and freedom. Make sure you download, subscribe, write a review, and share with your friends. Hi, everyone. Today, we are talking about a very important topic to me, and that is the topic of self-compassion. And I have my dear friend, Jessica Wilmot. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Here, joining me um, because she's been a part of my classes on self-compassion and uh, and she is, yeah, is someone who practices self-compassion as well. Well, thanks for you. thanks to you. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I didn't really know what it was before. Yes. So, I love um, it. You're in for a treat, guys. Yeah. This is a good, good episode. Yeah. So self-compassion, I guess, um, is kind of an abstract concept. So hopefully today I'll be able to unpack it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, like we hear this thing of just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And tell us, what does that mean else? Yeah, what does that mean to be yourself? Like People throw that around a lot. Yeah, like you're going on a date for the first time and they say, just be yourself. But it's mm-hmm. like, that's vulnerable. Like, what does it mean to be myself? Mm-hmm. And um, even inside of friendship, um, your relationship with yourself affects the way that you show up in friendship, yeah. in the way that you show up in romantic family relationships, well. family, yes, yeah. um, in your workplace. Mm-hmm. So, and I think a big thing is because I am a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> yeah, it pops up every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think we're all raised to kind of uh, be so validated about our identity around what other people think of us. Mm-hmm. So the story that someone else makes up about us uh, seems to be who we are mm. and we have no power over that. It's more real as well than our own birth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's because when we're born into the world, we have our parents and our parents are the first people who kind of tell us mm-hmm. who we are in the world. And then I think... Um, for, so from zero to 12 is when we're really informed by our parents about our, our identity. And then from, I think, 12 or 13 until 18 is where we're making a conscious identity. And that's usually based on like peers and how other people see us, like social media, comparison. Oh my gosh, this is what's cool in entertainment world. So I must be that. And we're trying to fit in a lot of the time. And then we grow even more autonomous in how we see ourselves. We progress from there. Um, but um, a true fact is that we have over 70,000 thoughts in a day. Wow. That's, That's a lot. That's crazy. Of yeah. So when you think about it, like how many of those wow. thoughts are on repeat? Mm. Like how many of the thoughts that you're having during the day Um, And using an example, um, and this is taken from Joe Dispenza's work. Um, I've got this from his work. Um, But like imagine if you had an argument with your spouse and they made like a little bit of an undercut like about the way that you dressed or something. 
And then you play that over and over and over again, like Mm. let's say 10,000 times throughout the day. So then that little comment has turned into like a really big, like, oh my gosh, my husband's now an abuser because he thinks I look terrible. Mm. And that's like when we get stuck in a loop. Um, That's when we... We're kind of in an, in an internal battle towards ourselves because your husband's not right there telling you over and over and over again that you look bad, <laughs> but you are hearing it that way because that's what's happening in your internal world, in your thoughts. Mm. So really this idea of self-compassion is a way of being with yourself, mm. a way of observing yourself, a way of seeing yourself that is kind. Mm. Um when did this passion for this subject start for you? Well, I think I had um, always been really critical of myself and I thought that being hard on myself would be a way of self-management. So if I am a really harsh towards myself, then I'm not going to be delusional and have a delusional perspective of myself. I was so afraid of like having yeah just because I thought delusional people were crazy and I didn't want to be seen as crazy um but then what I learned that is people who are often most self-critical um are quite delusional in their own right (laughs) so you're trying to not be delusional by going to the opposite like the other extreme of being so hard on yourself um and yeah, so I I think I started, well, I started getting counseling and I think my counselor's compassion started to help heal some of the past, mm-hmm. you know, started mm-hmm. kind of going in of like, because when you get counseling, you kind of go and give forgiveness to your younger self or compassion to your younger self And part of that just was so healing and liberating for me. Mm -hmm. So, and then I started looking, researching self-compassion and found all this information on it. And so I started to like test out the theory. So tell us more about what, through your research that you found in regards to self-compassion, what was it that sparked your interest the most? Yeah. So there's a researcher called Kristen Neff. She Mm -hmm. has a TED talk um, and she has done all this research on, she has a a TED talk called The Space Between Self-Compassion and Self-Esteem. And uh, the the difference is, well, not so much the difference, self-esteem is more, I am a great dancer, so that makes me confident, or I get good grades in school, so I'm intelligent, and it's very focused on what you can do, mm-hmm. whereas self-compassion is focused on who you are, oh, wow. so that you're, and I believe that when we come into the world as babies, we're so pure, and um it's pain that shapes us into making bad decisions. It's not necessary. So things happen to us, which make us react certain ways. But if we learn to heal the pain, we come back to our original design and who we are is pure and good. And so self-compassion, so good. yeah, like mm, centers wow. us back into that original design. Yeah. 
So what like Kristen Neff's research is, she does a comparison also of, so what does self-compassion look like versus self-hatred? So self-hatred, so self-compassion would be self-kindness. So me talking to you like you, well, you are my friend, (laughs) but I would never say to you things that I would say to myself. Yeah. That's so real. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. If you came to me and said, I made a mistake and this happened, I would be like, oh my gosh, that's because you just moved countries again and you've got a lot on your plate right now. I'd be so compassionate towards Mm. you. Whereas it would be me. I'd be like, you idiot, you shouldn't have done that. And the opposite of self-kindness is self-criticism and self-criticism is constantly giving yourself a good telling off. And so, yeah, but mm -hmm. I had a question. So one could ask probably, isn't that just letting yourself off the hook Mm because you've made a mistake? So yeah. Why be so soft on yourself? Could you give us more of a description of what actually compassion is in its yeah compassion yes dna you know like in its rightful place yeah compared to letting myself off the hook well compassion to me is quite um, motherly and nurturing Mm -hmm. if i think of the word compassion and i think um if you look at the latin word of compassion or compate that first part of the word it means to take out of Mm. um so to me and if you come from a faith perspective Um, the scripture says that Jesus was moved by compassion. So that tells me that there is productivity inside of compassion. Whereas um, for this idea of letting yourself off the hook, and usually when people start to be kinder to themselves, they pendulum swing from extremely mean to themselves to I'm being compassionate and kind of yeah they do let themselves off the hook and then so a balanced perspective of compassion would be like a tough um so if you think of a like the best kind of mom on the earth like the most nurturing kind but firm mom when their kids come home from school the mom's not going to be like you can totally eat ice cream and watch tv all night and go to bed whenever you want because that's love like I'm just going to let you do whatever the heck you want um and really what um compassion is is like you can have like 30 minutes of playtime outside with the neighbors. Mm. Then you can like come in, have a shower and like get ready for dinner. Then you can have a healthy dinner and then you can do, you know, 20 minutes of homework and then you might have 10 minutes of screen time. And it's like kind of like um, there is a sense of like structure, but freedom inside the structure. Yeah. So if that what if that's what like healthy nurturing mom mm. would do, how can I be that for me? So self-compassion isn't like letting myself off the hook and I'm just going to eat ice cream and go get my nails done and buy that outfit. Um, we have a motorbike in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that's not what self-compassion is. Self-compassion yeah. is um, more understanding and like, okay, like let's dust yourself off and like let's, let's be better. Like, and it's not... Um, whereas self-hatred is more you're condemned your mistake defines you Mm. you are a failure I'm not even I'm going to dismiss like your side of the story and um and just categorize you as bad 
And sometimes we do that to ourselves. So that that's part of self-kindness versus self-criticism. And, yeah. you know, to answer the question of letting off the hook. That's such a good answer. Mm-hmm. It's actually reminding me of when I first heard you talk about compassion. And yeah. you quoted Brené Brown. Yeah. About how the most compassionate people mm. are the ones with the most boundaries. Yes. Which was so fascinating to me because I would never have put the two together. Yeah. And that's what you're saying is that. Yeah. We can actually be boundaried with ourselves. Yes. And with others. So. Mm-hmm. And that's self-management. And I think what Brene is talking about is because, especially in a caregiving role, if you're a social worker or you work in the church or you do those kind of things, there's so much need. Mm. Like there's so, everyone has so much need and they need help. And there's, we live in such a broken world. There's, never-ending amounts of Mm -hmm. people who need help and especially if you are more of a helper a caregiver sometimes it's really hard to have boundaries but then what happens is if we don't have boundaries we start getting resentful Mm -hmm. and that like when we don't have boundaries that's when we self-abandon like that's where we go my my life does not matter your life matters more Mm. and yeah, what that can create is resentment and then that's when we are not the kindest and we might be nice to people and that nice feels fake, but kind is very different. And so having compassion means like I say yes and I, I, I can say yes and I can say no and when I'm saying yes to you, it's not because I feel bad and I should, it's because my I'm giving you my whole yes. And I know when people help me, I don't want them to begrudgingly say yes to me. Like I'd rather them not help me. I'd rather them just say yes because they would love to help me. Mm. And so why would I give that to other people being like, yeah, I'm going to help you, but like you're lucky or, Mm. you know, I I don't think that that's necessarily the kindest, but yeah, that's definitely a thing. That's so good because I was wondering, would it be right to say that self-love and self-compassion go hand in hand? Yeah. And then it's knowing what love actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that self-compa- self-compassion is an element of of self-love. And I think that people get afraid of like the problem is that we love ourselves too much. Mm. And I, do, that I would argue that that's not real love. Um, real love is sacrificial. Real love is generous. Mm. And so... Usually when I watch people learning to practice self-compassion and it's the way that you talk to yourself um, because we're talking to ourselves all the time, whether we like it or not. Mm. Um, And it's a way of taking our thoughts captive. Mm. Um, So, yeah, but it's part of the research to continue with like self-compassion versus self-hatred is self-compassion and to the generosity piece connects you with common humanity Whereas self-hatred makes you isolate, makes you feel like you're the only one that feels this bad about yourself. And if people knew this about me and no one else knows what I'm going through. And that's usually because we had parents that dismissed our experience growing up. Mm. Like your experience isn't true. You're, You're not validated in your experience. Whereas common humanity is... A sense of like we all go through hard things 
mm-hmm. and this is just a human moment. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed, like in the class, like when I was getting you guys to like write on the board little self-compassion phrases. Yeah. As soon as I said, you're having a human moment, everyone went, oh. Yeah, it's so true. It was like yeah. a sigh of relief. Yes. To give, well, it's being given permission to yeah. be human. Be human. It's often the greatest gift. Yes. It's that weird thing that we were almost talking about earlier about we all have things that we don't really want to talk about and then when we we actually do it's like so connecting because Mm -hmm. we're all feeling and thinking the same thing yeah but it's just giving a voice to that it's kind of like yeah the tv show friends do you have you did you (laughs) watch the friends yeah like there's some moments like that ross or i don't know all of them but i'm thinking of ross in particular will do something so embarrassing whether it's trip over something and act all cool or whatever Mm -hmm. it's we find that funny because we've all done that and we all feel (laughs) awkward and so we feel more connected to humanity when we can laugh about something that we might feel embarrassed or ashamed of watching someone else do it it kind of makes me go oh I feel less alone Mm. in the world because yeah you had a human moment as well and yeah so Els can you tell us an example of a story in your life where yeah you've seen compassion change the change the na- like the narrative yeah and and that you've seen your heart actually be impacted by self-compassion instead of self-hate self-hatred yeah I was really starting to take notice of like the lifestyle of my thoughts mm-hmm. so we can ha- we can spend a lot of money on a cool lifestyle externally but I was more thinking about what is my internal lifestyle mm-hmm. and I noticed like that I just was always critical and I started to go on a journey of actually experimenting with compassion and um so because I think I had gotten to the end of myself and noticed that hating myself does not make me better like whether that's in like (laughs) yeah like whether that's That's in like weight loss or I don't know, being managing my finances or just different mm-hmm. areas in my life, like hating myself does not make me better in this yeah. place. And so it became an experiment of rather than hate myself right now for eating this or whatever, I'm going to be kind to myself. And um, Kristen Neff, who's the researcher, she has great like um, prompts to take you through like journal exercises because it's like a practice that I do every day. Like some people will do like thankfulness. I do like self-compassion practices. And the book Try Softer by Andy Kobler is really good. I recommend that to a lot of my clients um, because it, it explains what being kind to yourself um, is. But basically, I, um, I think I'd been in America three years and... Um, I went back to my old job to work in real estate again and I, which is vulnerable anyway, because when you're away, um, for a long time, then you go back to where you were and you're like, oh, I feel very different to what I am now. (laughs) So like, that's always like interesting to do that. Um, but I made a mistake and I was doing like marketing for a property and, um, especially when you work for a high-end company, making a mistake is like the 
end of the world and yeah. very financially costly. I think it was a $15,000 mistake. And Ouch. yeah, 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 yeah. And basically I had come in as a new person mm. and um, forgot to file um, advertising for something. And so I remember noticing that this ad didn't go through and it was my fault. And I remember that sick feeling and it's the worst feeling in the world. It You literally feel out of body mm. and like, like, I don't know, it just feels so intense mm-hmm. and your body feels frozen. And I realized like, because I'd done some counseling and gotten started to learn self-awareness, I was like, oh, something painful is happening right now. (laughs) And um, that actually helped me get outside of what was happening, Mm -hmm. like a little bit. And I had heard like in research, like when something painful happens, like you can put your hand on your heart and say pain, pain, pain. Yeah, It's so funny when I teach the students because they're like pain, pain, pain. (laughs) And so pain, pain, pain gets you your brain out of like this tunnel of like, whoa, the whole world is getting small. And you're kind of acknowledging that something painful has just happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I went to the bathroom and I literally was like, this is the moment where I see if self-compassion works. So I started giving myself understanding which is usually like when we make a mistake, we want to defend ourselves all the time. So I just kind of went, you actually were new. You came in last minute. I know that you feel shame right now that you cost the client this money, that you made a mistake. And um, this feels really scary. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to hate you. Your boss might hate you, but I'm not going to hate you because you had a human moment And we're going to figure out how to fix this. And so I give myself like this pep talk. In the mirror? No, I was in the bathroom. Just in the bathroom. Just kind of like, you know, hiding in the stall. (laughs) Oh, it's a public bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So I'm just kind of like giving myself a little pep talk because most of the times we have these freak out moments and instead of giving ourselves a pep talk we're like oh my gosh this crazy thing happened and we feel swirly and we want to run away and we want to just like let the world swallow us up whereas I was like I'm going to be kind to myself and then because based on the research when you are kind to yourself you make better choices wow so the research says you go from overthinking Mm-hmm. which overthinking is when your mind's in chaos of like putting out fires and I could do this and I'm like you're in an overthinking state you don't make your best psychological choices mm-hmm. but when you're in a mindful state which is kind of like a bird's eye v- view being an observer of yourself rather than being in the swirl you're like observing what's happening which is why you do pain 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 yeah. then you're in a mindful state and mindfulness means to pay attention And so literally my brain got clear and like... Which is pretty impressive. Yes. In such an intense moment. Yes. Because it was my fault. It was. And I think people think that self-compassion is like, 
oh, I'm just not going to feel bad that I made a mistake. No, I actually did feel bad. Yeah. And I think that that's okay to kind of go, you know, this, this, because otherwise we become narcissistic and not taking ownership. And like, I think yeah. that it's okay to feel pain. <laughs> like, 100%. and it's okay to go, and I don't, but I'm not scared of pain. Like yeah. I can actually move through pain. And so self-compassion is like a vehicle. It can move you through the pain. And um, anyway, getting in a mindful headspace is actually a state of wisdom. And when you're in a state of wisdom, you can actually start thinking resourcefully and objectively and think of solutions. Mm-hmm. And so I actually came up with a solution for how to solve this marketing mistake. Wow. And it, I'm not going to get into... All within like 10 minutes. That is incredible. Yes. And so like I could have, um, I'm not going to explain really like how I solved the problem because I don't want to have to explain to you how you sell properties. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Aside the point. Yes. All my real estate people who are listening right now, you know exactly what the pain, (laughs) the pain I am talking about. And so anyway, I had a solution, but I had to go face my boss with the mistake. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, one of the colleagues, I could hear the boss being really mad at me, but I wasn't mad at me. So I'm like, that's fair. She can totally be mad at me. And someone else was like actually defending me. So it was really interesting because Mm -hmm. I didn't have to defend me. And whereas like if I was like in that overthinking space, I would have gone in like I've got to save the situation. I've got to defend and I've got to make this like make you understand me. But I already understood me. So I knew how to hold hold space in that area and own my mistake. And so I went in and I fully owned it. I'm so sorry. I dropped the ball. Mm. And um, which in itself is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I could because I was kind to myself. I wasn't condemning myself. And so, and then I was like, and here's some solutions that I have. And so I came up with solutions. I had people help me with a solution and we ended up selling the property and it was a good turnout. And I remember it probably took me 30 minutes cumulatively I hate that I think I said the word right (laughs) but like 30 minutes altogether yeah uh to get out of a shame spiral and what I mean is like in the moment I felt like that pang of shame and then we solved the problem and then every now and then it would like come back and I'd be like whoo that was intense I did do that oh my gosh and then I would be kind to myself again and then like And then I remember going out for drinks with my girlfriends afterwards and I was like, girls, it was a successful day. I made a huge mistake and it only took me 30 minutes to get out of the shame spiral. (laughs) Woo! Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, like I think that's how you cultivate an overcoming spirit, a resilient kind of grit is your Mm self-talk. So that was a huge component of um, me overcoming and then it made me less afraid yeah yeah to make mistakes even yeah because you weren't the the villain in the story yeah you got to love yourself through the process yeah and I noticed like we have this thing and back to the original thing of like what does it mean to be ourself or I know who I am is what a lot of people will say but I like to ask the question of like 
who are you when you make a mistake? Mm. Like, are who you? Who are you when you make a mistake? Who are you is. That's a great question. I think <laughs> you just w- asked it. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, I mean, who I am usually is like, I feel like I'm bad. Yeah. I feel like I'm wrong. I feel like I should be condemned. Yes. I and should it be punished. An identity statement. It becomes who you are. Yeah. And so the more I have practiced self-compassion, the more I have like learned to be um, human yeah. or give myself space to be human, and grace, yeah. the lower the stakes is, mm-hmm. the quicker I find solutions. And then who I am in a mistake is human. Mm. And like, I think that, because I can kind of feel our audience going, but what about when someone murders someone or someone cheats on their spouse or when someone steals money or I know those, that's like a, I mean, it's, it's kind of a a bigger topic to unpack, but I am talking about humans in general when they're existing in the world. And I think if we are not really like forgiving ourselves in these Mm -hmm. moments of a $15,000 mistake, then that's when we start to build a record of wrongs against Mm -hmm. our identity and we say we're a failure. Yeah. Whereas like when we learn to forgive ourselves, understand ourselves, the more we'll be able to make healthier choices. Also, it's funny, I was just reminded of that verse, how kindness leads us to repentance, Mm -hmm. which is such a powerful reminder that if kindness can take us to a place of owning our mistake and repenting and saying sorry for something, Mm -hmm. it's linked with compassion as well, that actually we can meet ourselves in a place with kindness. Mm -hmm. Yes. And actually own the mistake whether or not it's a huge mistake like the examples you shared or yeah. the tiniest thing during a mundane day. Mm-hmm. But actually when we own it ourselves, actually the person receiving the apology mm-hmm. can then actually receive it even more if we've already yeah. done the internal work. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it's such a powerful way of seeing yeah, how actually powerful it can be to own own our story and own who we are yeah. in the midst of a mistake, in the yes. midst of a a failing yeah whether big or small yeah and builds trust with ourselves. it builds trust with ourselves yeah. for sure and then it also like builds trust makes you a safe people f- person for for others for others yeah because i know like when someone has like done something wrong to you mm-hmm. and they don't apologize that feels painful yeah um You'd actually always say this quote to me, mm-hmm. Jess, you can get it a little bit wrong to get it a little bit right. Yeah. And I just had such a critical mindset that I was like, how's that even true? Is that even true? <laughs> how, how's that true? You got to get a little bit wrong to get it right. But it's so yep. true. Mm-hmm. And, and I think creating that safe place to fail actually creates a safe place to succeed. Yeah. In life. And yeah. That and lowers the you stakes. having such a good sense of self-compassion that you were able to extend it to me. Yes. Because we can't give away what we haven't na- navigated for our own heart. Yeah. And led ourselves into. Yeah, that's so true because the idea, the because I've grown so much compassion towards myself 
in the especially as I've been a risk taker mm-hmm. um probably requires more compassion it really does in the risk taking it really does because you're yeah. always in uncertainty yeah and when we're in uncertainty that's when the worst part of ourselves usually come out try and control try and <laughs> so fix it true. and I think um that compassion needs to be a key mm. um let's call it like if you were let's call compassion like a midwife mm. it's like if you're having a baby that's very brave you're birthing something whether it's a company or an actual child <laughs> or you were like putting something out there and being brave with your yeah, life that feels vulnerable. compassion feels like the midwife that helps deliver the baby mm. and um yeah so it's this idea of coming alongside yourself and being an encourager to yourself mm. And a lot of people will say to me, whoa, you're a really encouraging person. And it's because I've learned really well how to encourage myself. Mm-hmm. And even in the word encourage has the word courage. Yes. So it's I like. I love that word. Yes. <laughs> when we like impart like courage. encouragement, we are imparting courage. Mm. Like as soon as someone says to me, you totally should launch a podcast. Like part of me goes, that fuels me with courage to actually do the podcast. So we actually need that. And as my favorite person, well, one of my favorite (laughs) history people, Nelson Mandela would always say that courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's the ability to face the fear. Yes. So you might feel terrified, but you still might do it. And that's, that's actually true courage. Yes. It's not denying that there's fear. Yes. And I guess in fear, you still need that element mm. of self-compassion too. Yeah. Because a, criti- like a critical mind would be like, why are you feeling afraid? Yeah. You're, you're a wuss or you're this or yeah. you're just backing out. But mm-hmm. actually, so, as you said about that midwife, that's such a beautiful example that yeah. it says, hey, I'm meeting you in the place of fear. Yeah. Which gives you the courage to do the very thing that you're wanting to be brave to do. Yes. That's it. so great. Yeah, I think all of us are trying to avoid pain, but as long as we are in this place called planet Earth, there will be pain. Mm -hmm. But I think what compassion has given me Mm -hmm. is the ability to move through pain. Mm -hmm. And so now when I, I don't fear pain, something painful happening, I used to be so in fear of something bad happening And now I don't really, I mean, that pops up because I'm human, but Mm. I don't have that in the same way because I have walked through really painful things. Um, Yeah, quite like from a, a place of overcoming in some ways, because I know, I know that I, kindness is always available to me. Mm hmm. And I really do think, and I've heard this quote, I won't say take credit for it, but that we are the gatekeepers of love in our life. So when we have things in our past that we have rejected or that we have even like mistakes where we're like, oh my gosh, I want to ignore that. That was so painful. We're kind of rejecting part of ourselves or we're putting a gate there and saying love can't get to that place. But I really do think that love should be available to get to all the places in us. And that's actually what heals us mm-hmm. and changes us. It's not hating ourselves. And often the places we 
want love to not come the most is the places that need it the most. Need it the most, for yeah. sure. So I'm curious to know, Jess, yeah. what does self-compassion mean to you? What's What has it meant to you? Mm. A good question. I think, honestly, over these last, wow, two years, it's radically changed. I don't think I really understood or even heard the concept before I'd met you. Really. Yeah. I knew what compassion was, but I'd never understood fully how to show that to myself. Did you think that compassion was just a one-way thing? Yeah, I'd say I was compassionate on people yeah. and on people around me. Yep. But to myself, I found that really hard. And I also, funnily enough, back to that quote I said about boundaries, well, that Brenda yeah. Brown had said about boundaries, I think that also interlinked with that for, for me in my life, that mm. I felt like actually having compassion was a lack of boundaries. And I think I've learned that the other way is true. And I think I really appreciated all that you've taught me in this area because I didn't realize how critical I was internally um, until I was suddenly confronted with a mirror of compassion. Mm -hmm. And what would it look like to meet myself in the middle of a mistake? And I'd always, always been so critical if I'd made a mistake on myself, but I would never have said the words I'd say to myself to someone else. Yeah, And so it started challenging me to think, oh, maybe it's time to rewire my brain in that, in that sense and let, let love transform that place in my life and see if it makes an impact. And I remember when I first began that practice, you, you actually encouraged me to write a note on my phone. You mm. know, those reminders that pop yeah. up. And I would be having a moment and then a reminder would pop up on my phone and it would just say self-compassion. And it was just this beautiful, because I think in the process of rewiring and realizing this is actually a practice because yeah. my default was criti- was criticism and critical thinking of myself. And so I think in moments it was so helpful to remind myself, even daily, mm. just to be, just to think, okay, how can I have, how can I activate self-compassion in this moment and actually speak to the little me inside and be like, actually, it's okay, I can, I, I can validate you in this moment and and help help myself through that that moment whatever it might have been Mm. into a place of victory instead of victimhood um or being kind of like yeah the whole critical thinking phase and so yeah in answer your question I think self-compassion has been really impactful to me in in allowing those thoughts those 70,000 thoughts a day to actually take them and like think about what am I actually thinking like what am I letting in Mm-hmm. And therefore, letting out as a process in like in the process, and um, I think self compassion. Yeah, it definitely at first felt a bit clunky. It didn't feel incredibly comfortable because it it felt foreign internally. Yeah. But as it's as gradually, and I'm still learning this. But I think daily learning to choose it is such a powerful practice, and it's such a powerful way of. Um, as, you, as in your beautiful words, reminds me I'm just human mm. and that mistakes will happen yeah. daily, whether they're big or the bigger ones. And yeah, yeah learning to meet myself in that place has been life-changing. Honestly, mm. I would say that. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful, powerful process. Yeah. It's, and it definitely feels fake at first. Like it doesn't, yeah. It feels like, is this too good to be true to be kind to myself right now? Yeah, Um, no, that's very true. Especially like when I counsel people that are in 
a very, their mindset is very fixed and very black and white. It's very hard for them to connect with this idea of compassion. But often I will ask them, do you feel understood? Mm. And they will say, I don't know anyone who gets me. No one wow. understands me. Yeah. So then I say, instead of, um, instead of using the word self-compassion, because that can feel passive in some ways, yeah. and some people just don't connect with that straight away. But if I said, why don't you give yourself the understanding you wish that the person who hurt you, wow. the person that you respect that doesn't get you, why don't you imagine that person turning around and telling you everything that you waited to hear, but you do that for yourself? That is so good. And actually that reminds me because when you first told me about this, that's basically what you got me to do. Yeah. And it was so liberating because it's almost like you're so right. We're looking for someone else to validate that yes. space in our heart. Yes. And actually as soon as I'd understood myself in that moment, it wasn't that I was craving for someone else to understand it. I was just able to present how I was really feeling. Mm -hmm. And then whether or not they understood it, it didn't matter because I'd yes. already met myself in that place. Yes. And you validated yourself. Validated that space, yeah. Yes. And even if you read the book of wisdom in the Bible is Proverbs. Yeah. And it talks about like wisdom coming from revelation and understanding. Mm. And so... What self-compassion is, is a way of getting context, understanding. And they tell you like when you read the Bible that you need to exegete. It's basically like getting the real context of yeah. like what is actually happening to actually get a full picture of what it's trying to say. And it's often we live, move through the earth, not really going deep and really giving understanding to other people, to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I know like when I feel dissatisfied within myself, if I'm unhappy with myself, I will always be extra snappy in my environment yeah, and critical of my environment. I, <laughs> I notice like if it's I, so it's like a heart check moment. If I notice I'm snappy at work or have low patience for someone it's usually because I'm frustrated at myself mm -hmm. so if I learn to actually get understanding and compassion and forgive myself like I actually show up and have deeper compassion for the environment I'm in mm -hmm. so very true yeah so encourage all listeners who are doing brave things right now yeah. you that this is where you need to up your intake of self-compassion mm -hmm. and be kind towards yourself and um, actually be a kind witness to your own life, kind observer. Mm -hmm. And that would just bring so much peace. Yeah, leave that criticism at the door. Yes. So thanks for joining me, Jessica. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks for listening, guys. And um, if you are interested in learning more about self-compassion, you can always check out Kristen Neff's research mm -hmm. and also buy the book Try Softer by Andy Kobler. But thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening today. You can follow us at the Next Brave Thing podcast on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you would like to book in a live consulting session with me, feel free to go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com for more information.